This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Hello and welcome back to the City Report podcast. I am Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. Just us two today, Adam. We've had plenty of fantastic guests in the last couple of episodes, but it's just us two on our on our lonesome. How are you doing? How have things been? I'm all right. Uh, some some changes in my household, which many of my Twitter followers may be uh, aware of. I, I lost my dog this week, mm-hmm. so we've been been dealing with that. But um, other than that, everything's all right. How are you, Amos? Yeah, not bad. Obviously shaken and heartbroken at that news you shared and those lovely lovely photos but I am less than 24 hours off returning from from my summer holiday um lovely seven days on the beautiful island of Crete fantastic fantastic food for anyone who doesn't know I don't know if I've said this on the podcast actually but I don't eat meat I'm a vegetarian I, I do eat dairy so I'm not a vegan but even still, some some of the food was incredible. Lots of cheeses, lots of hummus. And yeah, I feel about 26 stone heavier coming back. But yeah, superb seven days. And as they say, recharged and ready to go. Yeah, it looks nice. Looks like you uh, you avoided the heat wave for a much nicer setting, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bizarre. It was actually hotter in the UK than it was in, in Mediterranean Greece, like considerably as well. But you go over there and every, everywhere's air conditioned anyway. So I actually whisper it, but I coped better with the heat than my girlfriend who always moans about me being too warm, even when it's not warm in the UK. So yeah, that was fantastic. But um, we'll jump straight into it then. It, it's a, a pretty rudimentary and what's becoming quite a regular feature for us. We stuck a, a tweet out on our Twitter at City Report Pod asking for questions because 
obviously, since we last did an episode, City have played football again for the first time since that dramatic final day victory against Aston Villa. They're over in your country, albeit about a billion miles away down in Texas. They played Club America and will dissect some of the talking points from that game. Um, one of the questions we had to, to begin then was from Balogun, who asked us about Cancelo's role in that in that fixture and said that it was a bit unusual. And what do you think Pep's planning with Cancelo? Now, full disclaimer, as, as I was away for this match and as it, as it was being played in the early hours of UK time, it was even earlier in Greece and there was absolutely no chance I was staying up till 5am on my holiday to watch pre-season friendly. So this is all on you, Adam, who, who you were able to... To, to watch the game. Um, before we answer that question from Balogun, what on earth happened with the, the whole scheduling TV thing? Because I woke up to like half of my timeline from UK <laughs> followers absolutely freaking out because the game was delayed or whatever it wasn't on TV, and then half of half of the others, the UK, uh, so the US followers, were like, yeah, this kind of happens a lot. So I, bef- when I read this question in our rundown, I had already planned to make fun of the English for multiple things here, as I, as I tend to do on this podcast. One is um, you don't want to get up at ungodly hours to watch City play football. Well, us here in America have absolutely no sympathy for you. Yeah, that's um, fine. That's fine. But I'm I, as, as a Mancunian or, or as a greater Mancunian, I have every right to complain about the kickoff times and, and you have every right to complain at me about complaining about the kickoff times on preseason tours. Fair enough. Well, with the, the TV, so this is the way that American sports television works. They have... Consistently, you know, we have a million sports here. Like if you go on ESPN, there is any chance of you seeing one of like 15 professional sports or college sports or even sometimes high school sports. Um, And there was a USL championship game, second division of American soccer. I'll say American soccer so people know I'm not talking about American (laughs) football um, playing. And the game was clearly going to run over the allotted time, and therefore the first 10 to 15 minutes of the City game would uh, not be shown. So they delayed it, delayed it, delayed it, and then that game went into 10 minutes of stoppage time. <laughs> so they had to continue to delay it, and then they ended up just kicking off the game and putting it on different channels and just like oh. tweeting out what channels and apps you could find it on. And the whole of greater Manchester that stayed up for the game went into absolute like apocalypse mode trying to find this game. Um, but here for us, it was a completely normal occurrence last year for the MLS cup final. Yeah. I um, know about this. I know about we missed this. the entire pregame coverage, like the studio coverage and the entire pregame ceremony where they come out with the teams and, you know, they've probably got a live singer or whatever. Well, you missed the entirety of that. And my, my club was in the cup final last year mm. because there was a women's college volleyball game that went a little <laughs> bit too long on the channel. So we missed all of it and just got thrown into the game right at kickoff. So uh, yeah, this I, I this is a normal it. occurrence. <laughs> I respect it. There's, that, there's no priorities in obviously, you know, City preseason friendly isn't that big of a game, but it's for for the US, it, uh, it was obviously a massive occasion. City being in the US and and just saying no, actually, there's this second division USL game or whatever it was that takes priority. It's superb. Um, anyway, the serious stuff. Cancelo's role, I believe, I'm being told. I didn't watch it. I saw the highlights. Was unusual. He's had a weird week, hasn't he? Being announced as the number seven. What if 
um, Pep Guardiola hasn't tried to target a forward replacement for Raheem Sterling or Gabriel Jesus because Cancelo is actually going to play as an out-and-out winger this season. Do you see that happening? Do you see a change in format for him? Or is it just, as we'll speak about some of the other players, probably one of those preseason things? I don't see that happening. Um, it, it looks like maybe just one of those preseason things. Um, I also didn't really see that much in this game. I don't know if I mm. interpreted his role differently. Um, weirdly, the player that picked up the farthest wide position on that left-hand side most often was Bernardo Silva. Okay. Um, in transition, he was taking up almost an overlapping left-back role, which was very bizarre. And it happened enough that it felt like it was on purpose and not just kind of through yeah. natural game flow. Um, Cancelo seemed to pick up, you know, his kind of central position like he does, he, you know, playing that inverted fullback. But what was weird to me was that Luke and Bete playing in the left center back was almost overlapping him. And he was, he was almost hugging the touchline at mm. times when, when city were in, in possession. It was, it was really weird. Um, now, I don't know if that was maybe the fact that Julian Alvarez was in there and we're playing with more of a recognized number nine, and therefore centrally things are kind of shaken up compared to when we had um, you know any, any number of the false nines in there. Um, I don't think Cancelo is moving into a more attacking role solely because we don't have the cover at fullback yeah. to lose another fullback um, for an attacking position. And, you know, if you take Cancelo out of there and Zinchenko goes to Arsenal, um, until Kukurea signs, you're looking at just Kyle Walker as the, the lone fullback in the squad. So that's obviously not um, that's not going to work out long term. So I think we're going to see much of the same from Cancelo. I think if, if Kukurea comes in and maybe hits the ground running, we see a bit more of Cancelo at right back. Um, but either way, I think, you know, his role is going to be at one of the fullbacks. He's going to be inverted or overlapping and he's going to push high up. Yes, but that's natural for him. And that's not anything new. It'd be extremely difficult, wouldn't it, for Cancelo to push any further up without then sort of ceasing his role as a defender, given the way he plays. Um, very, very, very quickly then, because we are on the clock a little bit and we've got loads to get through question wise. What do you make of this Cancelo number seven business? Because I can, I'm going to guess as a, a non-traditionalist like yourself, you're lapping it up and you're enjoying the chaos. Or, or have I misread that a little bit? I couldn't care less about well, numbers on the back yeah. of the jerseys, um, especially growing up as a huge hockey fan, and still to this day, I'm a huge hockey fan. They, the players, literally wear numbers one through ninety nine, and it doesn't really matter yeah. what position you are. So, you know, and there's other leagues like that. Serie A, they don't really have mm. you know numbers. I think Lukaku's wearing number ninety. Some of the best players in in Serie A are in the eighties, seventies, sixties. So, um, you know, numbers that we consider like the academy, the the random academy numbers. Mm. But um, from what I've heard. It's just his favorite number, and if he hasn't been able to get it at other times, he gets a variation of it, like yeah. 70 or 17 or 27 throughout mm. his entire career, even before professional. Um, so I think it's just a thing for his own personal choice that when he saw number seven was available, he snatched it up because it's his preferred number. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm a little bit more on that, like I say, traditionalist point of view. Seven for a play is going to play left back. I'm not too sure, but if if anyone's going to do it as a fullback, it's going to be Al Cancelo because he is sort of spiritually a winger at heart. Um, right, moving on then, because we've had loads of questions, like I say, and, and a lot of them actually focus on the positions we expect players to play next season. Um, Saul has come in and sort of given us a double question, actually. It starts with him asking about Grealish and Phil Foden. They want to know whether or not Grealish or Phil Foden will be the sort of the prime left winger going into next season as things stand. And then they also say, what are the chances of us seeing three at the back under under Guardiola this season at City? Will we see more than 10 games or is it likely to be less than 10 games? So I'll, we'll kick it off with the, uh, the Grealish and Foden left wing spot. If, if we're starting a, a Champions League semi-final tomorrow, at the moment, given what you saw from the Club America game, is it Grealish or is it Foden who's who's most likely to get into that position? So we had this chat with Ali uh, a couple episodes ago about the kind of preferred starting eleven, and especially we we kind of honed in on that preferred front three. Um, I think for me, and I know this is something that Ali brought up as well, the winger setup is going to largely depend on the fullbacks mm-hmm. we have. Um, we saw a bit of this in the uh, game against Club America the other day that when Grealish and uh, Yao Cancelo are in similar attacking positions, they can kind of trip over each other a bit because they both want to cut in on their yeah, right and yeah. pick passes or you know curl shots into the corner. Um, I think the best setup is always going to be either one inverted fullback and a wide winger or one inverted winger and a wide fullback. So yeah, I think... Yeah. If you've got Cancelo playing on that left-hand side, I think the best is Phil Foden. He can he can dig his heels in on the touchline and and stretch the pitch a bit. I think it gets a bit too narrow down there on that left-hand side. But um, I'm honestly pretty happy with either. Um, I said this before: any variation of Grealish, Foden, Mares as the three wingers or the two wingers um, is going to be it's going to be a okay with me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the the biggest beneficiary of, of Mark Kukurea signing for City or any similar sort of naturally left-footed left-back will be Jack Grealish. And and I'm not, I won't be surprised if Jack Grealish is adding to that transfer fee himself just to get someone in that can bomb down that left-hand side and let him do his thing inside. Um, the obvious answer, I think, for me is, is both because there's more enough football for them to play. They're both good enough to play, especially in a World Cup season where, you know, they'll both be in the same national team. And without Jesus instead, in there clogging up positions there's going to be plenty of game time I'm going to do the really really boring thing here and say that if I was in charge and there's a there's a Champions League semi-final tomorrow I really don't know because a we haven't we haven't necessarily seen enough of them yet obviously Phil Foden didn't travel uh Jack Grealish played quite a bit I believe against Club America but b the opposition will will also be dependent on who goes in there as well. Because if you're trying to play against one team with one player, maybe it doesn't work as as well as it should. Um, Moving on to the second part of that question then, over or under 10 matches for free at the back next season, this rumour about Pau Torres doesn't seem to be going away. And whilst it's still in its infancy and whilst it's still in its sort of, yeah, that's unlikely to happen, while it's still there, the, this sort of this this idea that City could be switching to three at the back with two strikers in Erling Haaland and, and Julian Alvarez, who again we'll come on to shortly, lingers in the air a little bit as well, doesn't it? 
It does. I'm not sure that we'll see it that much. Um, I find it hard to believe any rumors linking City with, um, I won't say world-class center backs, but bona fide starting center backs at big clubs. Um, you know, Pau Torres is a starter for Villarreal who went to a Champions League semifinal mm-hmm. last season. Um, I find it really hard to believe that any center back is going to come in, especially with the fact that it looks like Ake is going to be staying this summer. Yeah. Um, I find it really hard to believe that any center back is going to come in and essentially fight for the fourth spot if we assume that Diaz, Laporte, and John Stones are the top three. Um, and Ake came on you know, big time last season. And um, to have four good center backs, four reliable center backs is already a huge bonus. Um, to have a fifth, I think is just squad um, bloating. And mm. now look, if we do play the three at the back, then you do need the, the more center backs. But I don't really see Pep switching to that anytime soon, mm. especially because... I think that would rely on wing backs a bit more. And at the moment, we don't have uh, a lot of depth in that position unless we're talking about then maybe converting some wingers there. It just doesn't seem to mm. fit with the current squad that we have. I think we'd have to make additional signings for that. Um, I think the three at the back talk is kind of people's way of shoehorning in Julian Alvarez with uh, Erling Holland, which. Um, Alvarez was was great against Club America the other night, um, but he's he's going to still take time to bet in, and I don't think we're going to see him playing, you know, ninety minutes every single week right off the bat. So um, over under ten matches for three at the back, I'm going to take the under. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I think going back to it, the Pau Torres stuff. Uh, reportedly, City have agreed personal terms, and he's ninety percent done, depending on where you where you read. I, I think a lot of that is down to the fact that he's he's a player with a release clause and it would take hours, if not shorter, for City to activate that and get that side of the deal over the line. So personal terms being agreed kind of isn't a shot, kind of isn't something that you sort of, um, you, you, like I said, you shot by. I don't think we'll see him in a City shirt and I don't think we'll see City playing free at the back a lot. Personally, I, I think if I was to sort of climb into the, the megalomonic world of Pep Guardiola's mind somewhere in there he'd love to have City playing free at the back but given the state of the Premier League traditionally when you look back unless I'm missing someone the teams who have played three centre-halves and and wing-backs have have kind of been defensive sort of uh, prioritising defence so I'm I'm thinking about Antonio Conte's Chelsea team for example and, and I just don't think the Premier League is suited to an expansive free at the back like we saw uh, when Guardiola was in charge of Bayern so as much as it would be nice to see those two strikers line up against the, uh, line up with each other I'm going to go with the no route as well. Um, some some more positioning questions then. Calvin Phillips, this was interesting. I haven't seen any of this, but apparently, and you can testify, he played at centre-half, which shocked a few people, didn't it, really? And I think we're going to say this also goes under the usual pre-season tinkering, given the fact that City is short at, at centre-half on the pre-season tour because of emissions with injury and, and travel guidelines, etc. But it's nice to know that he can at least be trusted to do that in a, in a friendly and, and given the injuries we had last season, possibly adds another bit of depth there that, that could be needed down the line. 
Yeah, and and I'll agree. I think this is just the the, the preseason tinkering, um, especially when you look at the fact that John Stones didn't travel to the U.S. Ruben Diaz didn't dress for the Club America game, so the center back pairing uh, and Laporte also is unfit. So the center back pairing was Nathan Ake, Luke Mbete. Um, Nathan Ake wasn't fully fit at the end of last season. He still may be taking time to get back to full fitness, so he didn't play the full ninety minutes. So I think it was purely because Pep had no other options to play center half when Nathan Ake came off. Um, And we saw when uh, Pep finally kind of threw on the kids in the last 10 minutes, uh, an under-18s player, Rico Henry, came on, played Mm -hmm. it right back. That pushed Kyle Walker into center back, and then Phillips went into midfield. So, yeah, I think this was just your, you know, preseason lack of numbers in in every position, and you kind of get some, some screwy lineups that way. Um, I would not read anything into this. Now, look, you can slaughter me on Twitter if um, we show up at West Ham on opening day and it's a, a center back pairing of Luke Mbete and Calvin Phillips, then fine. You were all right, but I don't see that happening. <laughs> yeah, it's City picking up from where they left off last year, isn't it? Just absolute shoestring squad. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a positive, like I said, to know that he can at least have experience in that in that position and if it was this time sorry if, if Phillips was part of the squad at the back end of last season who knows maybe Laporte wouldn't have been pushed through however many games he did and it, and it looks as if that injury is kind of a bit more serious than than first thought so to have that option it is superb and, and obviously Nathan Ake who is going to stay at City he's uh, I think both of our opinions on him are, are well versed and, and that's a superb sort of I, I don't know what to describe it because it's not a sign-in, obviously, and you know it's not a. It, it, it's just nice to know that he's still going to be there because I, I don't think City would probably find anyone better to do that quote-unquote fourth-choice centre-half role. Um, obviously, Calvin Phillips was just one of a number of debuts City players had. Obviously, Robot Boy Howland wasn't available, much to the annoyance of those uh, City fans out in the US who made the journey, but. Ortega looked comfortable enough, although I thought potentially that he could have done a little bit better on the goal. But for me, man of the match from what I saw from the highlights, and I know De Bruyne got two goals, we'll speak about him shortly, but I think it was probably Julian Alvarez for my money who who looked at points throughout that first half to really torment the Club America backline. And I'll, I'll throw the caveat in now, Club America are no mugs, they're, they're not potentially up there with the best of the best in Europe, but they certainly are the best of the best in North America, or at least in that bracket. We've had a question from Mo then about Alvarez, who asked if Julian Alvarez continues to impress in the upcoming preseason games, where do we see him in the sort of hierarchy of the squad? And should Pep sort of play, develop a system that can see him play alongside um Harland, of course, because it does feel as if at the moment, obviously for, for quite obvious reasons, Harland is number one. He will be number one choice. Alvarez may have to wait for his time to come in that in that central strike role or else it will be out wide, pro- probably on the right wing. It, it, for me, I, I don't know what system allows City to be their best across the park with these two playing both two central roles. We'll have to wait and see, but if Erling Haaland and Julian Alvarez are going to play together, for me, it's Haaland as number nine and, and Julian Alvarez as a right winger. Yeah, I fully agree. And just to kind of piggyback on what you were saying about Club America, um, 
This game, for for those like you who maybe didn't stay up in the UK to watch it, this game was uh, did not have the feel of a preseason no, friendly. No, I got that from the highlights. To be fair, it did it did feel feisty. Club America are a huge, huge club. I mean, this is a club that plays in the Azteca week in, week out, and fills it. Like th- this is a huge club, um, and obviously down in Texas, there is a huge, huge community of Mexican Americans, and that stadium was bumping. And from what I've heard from some of our friends that were in the stadium, it was really hostile in there mm. with the Club America fans. This this was not your you know stadium full of United fans in Bangkok <laughs> just having a good time seeing their team play. It was it, it was an atmosphere in there. So um, yeah, onto Julian Alvarez. Um, he was fantastic. He was linking up with with De Bruyne, Grealish, and and Mares really really well. He was dropping deep and and laying balls off in a way that. Um, you know, Phil Foden did last season. Um, as far as him playing alongside Erling Holland, the only way those two play together in my mind is if we see a bit of that three at the back in which we saw, I believe it was the 17-18 season when we first signed mm. Jay Z or when we had the first full season of Jesus and Aguero together and, and we played that a little bit um Together, I think opening day at Brighton, they played well together. And that's the only time I remember Pep playing with two recognized strikers actually playing striker, not one of them playing out wide. Um, But we've already talked about for a number of reasons why we don't necessarily see three at the back happening. Um, Yeah, I think Erling Holland's probably going to be playing by himself most of the time. Alvarez is still going to take some time to bet in. He He was great in that game, but... Look, it was 90 minutes of, of a preseason friendly. Let's let's let this play out a little bit more. Let's not start heaping expectations on him immediately, especially given the fact that I think him coming in alongside Erling Holland has been really, really good for him because this is, you know, South America's footballer of the year mm. last season. And he's basically had no coverage of his move to City because of Erling Holland. And I think that's a good thing for him because he can kind of fly under the radar and you know, everyone's waiting for for Holland to hit the ground running, and it can it can be him that really takes the reins. Um, but I don't want to start being like, okay, we've replaced Aguero because Julian Alvarez has ninety good minutes in in a preseason friendly. So um, I don't see them playing together anytime soon. If Alvarez comes in and essentially makes himself undroppable, then maybe Pep will have to rethink that. But um, right off the bat, I think we're going to be seeing. Our usual four three three, and and Erling Haaland's going to be down the middle. I'm I'm desperately holding myself back from making one of the most sort of hottest inferno takes about. Julian I know I, I have a I, feeling I have a feeling of what it's going to be, but, yeah, but go I, on. I, I, I can't say it, I can't say it, I can't share it because I, I will have everyone after me. But I I think he's he's going to explode. Um, he, he's going to explode, and and it's a free hit really because if he doesn't, as we've mentioned before, it, it doesn't. Cost City, what well, cost City money? Obviously, they they will pay River Plate money, but in comparable terms, the the, the sort of measly fee of fifteen, sixteen million pounds, whatever it is, isn't isn't devastating. City have made that back on youth team players this year, or, or you know, academy graduates, etc., whatever. Um, but just the, the the way he plays football, I, I think he's so suited to the Premier League already and he's not even made his Premier League debut. He's agile, he's quick, he's fast, he's direct, he's tricky. It's everything that you want from a Premier League forward and if he can find a way to, to work himself onto that right-hand side and 
I don't think it'll be immediately because Riyad Mahrez has that slot on on lock basically. But to be honest, I, I I wouldn't be surprised for a number of reasons to see Julian Alvarez start the first game of the season ahead of Erling Haaland, and that's not based on anything other than the fact that Erling Haaland's sort of lacking sharpness and lacking fitness. We'll wait and see how that goes, apparently, or, or reportedly he'll, he'll feature against Bayern Munich on Sunday, I think I'm right in saying that that game will be played. So we'll wait and see what happens there. But I will be watching Julian Alvarez for obvious reasons, obviously following City, but I'll be watching him personally quite closely over the next few months because... As you may expect, I'm quite excited. Um, right, okay then. A few more short, short points on, on that Club America game, even though this wasn't a Club America review. It seems to have morphed into one. Um, the mysterious City Report Twitter, City Report Pod Twitter admin put a tweet out the other day about Kevin De Bruyne with the captain's armband on and and how good it looked and how natural it looked. He's he's looked in the mood, hasn't he, in pre-season? And obviously the two goals from what I believe wasn't his sort of vintage performance. What's it going to be in pre-season? Of course, it's not going to be, but two really, really good goals. And and he carries the team, doesn't he? And when in moments like that, whether it's a friendly or whether it's a, a sort of last game of the season needing to win the league, it's felt like a toss-up between Ruben Diaz and De Bruyne for that out-and-out captain. Obviously, we know Guardiola operates for this captain's pool, but but the one to actually wear the armband and hopefully touch wood, lift the trophies, it's starting to swing to Kev, isn't it, a little bit? I don't know what you think about that. Obviously, Diaz is still nursing a little bit of a, a niggle, so he's not going to be involved, or at least wasn't involved immediately, probably won't be involved a lot in the final preseason game. Do you think City start the season with Kevin De Bruyne as their out-and-out captain, so to speak? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think it's probably, for me, it's kind of leaning kind of 70-30 to De Bruyne in that in that race between him and Diaz, if, if that exists. Um, you know, we know that every year I think the, the players and probably the staff vote on a captain. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could definitely see Kev getting it. It's funny because in years past, we've we've heard that he can be a real dick of a teammate on the pitch. And that's in a competitive way. That's not yeah. in, in a way that anyone is, you know, insulted by him. Anyone who's played competitive sports will have had teammates or maybe has been that teammate in the past mm-hmm. where you are almost a dick to your teammates, but in a way because you expect good things from them and want the best out yeah. of them. Um, I feel like that's changed a little bit in the last few seasons. Um, I don't know what makes me feel that way. Just the way that he carries himself on the pitch and the way that he interacts with teammates in, in situations. I feel like his kind of fizzling out of his dickishness uh, was Whoa, his kind you, of... It's a good job you put the ness at the end there because that could have been a really damaging sentence. <laughs> the, the fizzling out of his dickishness <laughs> uh, was his his many verbal altercations with Riyad Mahrez in the 2019-20 yeah. season. But um, yeah, I could absolutely see him being the captain and I think he would be a, a wonderful captain. I, I, I think it's the fact that he was dropped from that captain's pool um, or captain's WhatsApp group, whatever it was, uh, at the start of last season. And, and he played like a man on a mission. And obviously we've we've done at length his injuries and, and how he had a point to prove there. But towards the back end of the season, there was, there was few players who have performed as well as he did. And 
what I want to know actually is on that captain's vote, how how far does it stretch out within within the club? Obviously, you've got the players and you know a few staff members. You think it goes down to like the the moonbeam and the and the the catering staff and the guy who does Riyadh pasta. I, I'd love to see. I'd actually love them. We'll speak about City's content creation very shortly, but I'd love them to make this sort of election night material about this captain's race, like leading up to it. And it, it, over in the UK, I forget the name of the law, but news channels aren't allowed to report on certain campaigning um, issues in the lead up to an election. They had just had this blanket ban on on, on the on the two figures, Diaz and, and Kevin De Bruyne are going for it. Who, who do you think would be on their ticket then for vice-captain if you had Ruben Diaz and, and Kevin De Bruyne are going up against each other? Who, who are their vice-captain ticket picks? I would think that for Kevin De Bruyne, it would probably be Ilkay Gundogan. Midfield duo. Yeah, and then the experienced heads. Yeah, yeah, and then I think Ruben Diaz's VP or VC would be John Stones, maybe. But You're then right, again, he's yeah. he, he's not a very vocal guy. I don't think, I think Laporte really is either. Maybe Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker. I had Kyle Walker or Jack Grealish, an English lad who who knows the voter base and, and can get a few laughs. You know that sort of populist, really characteristic yeah. sort of character. Um, right. Okay. Let's let's delve into the nonsense then, because let's face it, that's why we're here. Um, we've had a fantastic question actually. This is super from Radar Two HZ, who asks quite simply, which City player has the most? unsymmetrical face now this is a reference to some of the superb content being put out by city's media team and, and they did a collaboration with troy hawk from the Gil the guilters the greeters guild where if you haven't seen it just please go and find it it's simply incredible he's he's basically built an online brand um here in the uk to start off with where he stands outside shops and, and greets people with these really bizarre sort of almost Ponzi comments. He's got this sort of alter ego of, I don't know what he's dressed in, but like a velvety dressing gown sort of thing. It was absolutely phenomenal. And and I spent, as soon as I watched it, it dropped whilst I was away on holiday. I spent a, a good part of that night just giggling to myself. It was so good. Yeah, I've uh, I've watched it about 15 times. And <laughs> I, I just like, I clicked on the video. I was kind of just like doom scrolling on Twitter and yeah. somehow ended up on the video. And then it just it just happened. And now my uh, my girlfriend's fantasy Premier League uh, team is called the Nordic Meat Shields. <laughs> um, so I think a whole culture of of city comedy has been born out of it. I, I, do you, did you know who he was before that? No, I. You know what? Seen I'd seen. I don't know if it's him, but I've seen people who do it at golf uh, right. tournaments where they like greet the players and they just say really we- weird things. But I think it's an American who does that. They may have copied right. uh, Tr- Troy Hawk or whatever his yeah. name is. Yeah, because because he's a regular on my TikTok for you page, and he'll he'll just stand outside like on these busy shopping streets in these sort of really run-down, working-class northern towns, and obviously he's got this really posh persona, and, and you just get... It's, honestly, some of the looks are, are incredible. But um, in terms of the actual question then from Radar2HZ, who, who said, who has the most unsymmetrical face? I've taken it one further, and I've gone for both symmetrical and unsymmetrical faces. Now, to for this to work, you may have to pull up uh, some pictures of the City players and, and, the, and the squad photos, but for symmetrical... I'm going for Ruben Diaz, Kyle Walker, John Stones, Calvin Phillips, 
Jack Grealish, obviously, who the original joke was about, and Phil Foden. Now, that was easy because... Generally speaking, footballers are, are pretty good-looking people. They get all the treatment. They can they can come out looking shiny, and, and, and symmetrical faces aren't that hard to find. Unsymmetrical faces. Now, I feel very bad for putting this list together. It's quite <laughs> short, but I, f- I still feel quite bad. Um, Scott Carson, everyone's favourite joker, everyone's favourite uncle, Scott Carson. A looker, maybe not. Um, sticking with the goalkeeper union, newly arrived Stefan Ortega as well. No, by no means was it was it an ugly face. No, by no means was it an ogre's face. But it wasn't sort of falling into that into that symmetrical category. And actually, a newfound favourite of the US fan base, considering his antics on the preseason tour. And local lad to me from Wivenshaw, Cole Palmer. Now, <laughs> Cole Palmer is the sort of lad. Um, I think Andrew from the Main Road Ramble said it. He's the most English-looking person he's ever seen up close. And he's the sort of lad who... I've, I've, I went to school with people like Cole Palmer. I know hundreds of people like Cole Palmer. But, but yeah, he, he is, uh, you know, a very English-looking boy. He is. And look, trying to find any flaws within this team as far as physical attributes goes is pretty difficult. I don't know mm. who I don't know who coined the phrase cheekbone FC about this squad. Um, I know somebody did out there. I don't know who it was. Um, that was spot on because this yeah. is a handsome a handsome bunch of players and most of our new signings are only adding to that. Um, I, I sifted through the Fat Mob squad list this morning trying to find unsymmetrical faces and I only I only came upon uh Cole Palmer that's the only one that I landed on and was like maybe this is a bit unsymmetrical everyone else I thought was was pretty symmetrical even the two picks the goalkeeper picks Scott Carson and Stefan Ortega I'm looking at pictures of Stefan Ortega now maybe there's a there's a bit of wonkiness in there but (laughs) but Scott Scott Carson I think he's I think he's symmetrical. I think he split straight down the middle and he split so hard down the middle that his, his teeth were separated. <laughs> There's an actual divide that you can see there. The actual yeah. gap, yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely adore Scott Carson and is by no means a flaw. In fact, it enhances. His unsymmetricalness enhances his natural Seeing beauty. him... Seeing him in all of the cowboy gear oh. just made it just made him even <laughs> even more of a of a looker for me. So, oh yeah, it's, it's been superb. And actually, we'll move straight on um, to this because, like I said, the content they've been putting out the city team take about. We knew it was good beforehand. They've been superb for a number of years, but this preseason tour they, they've stepped the game up. And I think it was Arel Costello said in the lead up to it that. They've got some very good things planned and sort of hinted at, at some of the, the collaborations and some of the um, events they're putting on. And it, it's just been superb. Um, there was obviously that news, wasn't there, about the initiation songs that the new signing sang at dinner. We had Calvin Phillips, who went for Budapest by George Ezra. Harland went for is it a, Enrique Iglesias' hero. Mm-hmm. And then Julian Alvarez opted for Despacito. Um a little bit of a musical nerd yourself. Thoughts on those picks, and and if given the chance, what would you choose as your initiation song? Uh, I thought they were perfectly fine picks. No, nothing great. Is that you nothing being polite. Is that, nothing is that you bad. Being polite? No, I I think they were just perfectly fine. None of those songs do anything for me particularly. I thought it was pretty obvious that that Julian Alvarez would probably do something yeah. in Spanish. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. What would I, what would I sing? What do I, I constantly walk around my house singing Oasis for a yeah. start. What would I sing? I don't know. Maybe something boring like Wonderwall or something like that. Just well, something that, easy that I know that I I won't under pressure. I won't forget any of the words <laughs> or anything like that. I just feel like that that's too because that's sort of ingrained in the city culture. Yeah, isn't it? we've had yeah. people speak about. I think for me, one that because because for anyone who knows me would would know quite comfortably. I, I'm probably in the mind the the last percentile of, of good singers on this planet is painful whenever i open my voice but i have a tendency to to sing almost all day uh, and i'd need a song that i could belt out with passion and the passion could override the poor lyric uh, the poor singing and i'd probably go barbara o'reilly by the by the by the who just okay. that in, yeah I'd, I'd just have to belt it out and i just have to feel the passion and hopefully that would sort of mask over the terrible terrible singing See, I think for me, if I was if I was in the city squad, I'd want they'd be like, "Oh, who is this American? Doesn't know anything about <laughs> about our culture." That's why yeah. I would go Oasis. I think you're right that Wonderwall is too ingrained in the club. I think I'd go for All Around the World because I do nice. just walk around my house singing the line, "Make me shine." <laughs> I just do that around my house like all throughout the day. So I guess I'd probably like, just do the chorus from All Around the World. Maybe I'd do all around the world reprise, so I wouldn't actually have to sing any any <laughs> lyrics at all. Um, right, okay. Last question. This then. this is getting off the rails now. Yeah, so. this this is this is wild. Um, we'll bring it. We'll we'll finish on on a more of a serious note, actually. And we've had a question from close friend of the show and iconic city Twitter personality with a very musical name itself, the Bertiful South. Wondering about our thoughts on the dynamics surrounding one city player in particular. I'll read you the question out then. He says, is Bernardo getting annoyed by other players acting like idiots around him? Is it banter or is there a tiny bit of bullying involved? Now, I don't know. I'm not part of the city squad. I'm not friends with Bernardo Silva, as uh, disappointing as it is for me to say that. But if I'm to look at it, I, 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 I think it's... I don't think it's bullying, to be honest. I think if he was being affected by it in that environment, then I'm sure something would be said, you know, although they are very close and, you know, can be juvenile at times, it is still a work environment and there will be HR procedures, et cetera, which may or may not have been used. I don't know. They'll be kept quiet. Um, Bernardo's representative obviously recently came out and said that he has no need or want to force a move away from City and miss the links to Barcelona. So, um, if I'm to guess, I'll probably say he's more than happy with the dynamic of the squad. And personally, I think he is the the butt of a few jokes. We've seen that. Obviously, I think Jack Grealish, I shouldn't laugh if Bernardo is feeling bad about this, and I apologise, but Jack Grealish called him a Teletubby, which, side note, do, do you know what Teletubbies are? Did, did you have them as a, as a kid? I live in America, not under a rock. Uh, right, okay. Come on. I didn't know what stretches over. I've said some things in the past and you've been like, what on earth is that? Which I thought would be universal. So I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you are well-versed on the world of Teletubbies. Um, but but like I said, by, by no means does that does that mean he doesn't give it out himself there was obviously that uh, on the on the title celebrations wasn't there him giving Grealish the stick saying that him, him not bring Guardiola not bringing Grealish on was the reason City won the league so I, 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 whilst it may seem like it's heavily focused on Bernardo Silva I don't particularly sort of see any problem with that I don't think 
I agree. I don't see, I don't think this stuff would be so publicly like posted online and kind of um, made for our enjoyment, so to speak, mm -hmm. if it was truly having a negative effect on Bernardo Silva. Maybe he, maybe it is, and maybe he is, you know, hiding it. And if that's the case, I hope he doesn't hide it any longer. And I hope mm -hmm. he speaks to somebody about it and gets it to stop if it's, you know, affecting him. But um, we've seen, plenty of footage of him and Jack Grealish hanging out, you know, hanging out at the trophy parade, probably been on holidays together. Yeah. Um, you know, Bernardo Silva's dog is named after a teammate of his. I, I can't imagine if he was, you know, kind of on the outside looking in of the, of the group of players in this squad, then these things wouldn't be happening. So no, I'm, I think this is a typical internet is reading way too much into something, uh, type of scenario. And, and, a few comments from Guardiola, especially those um, whilst those Barcelona links were about, sort of explain just how important he is both on the pitch and in the dressing room. You know, City have made, and we, we our last podcast actually was focused on the outgoings and how everyone has a price, basically, bar one or two players. City have, have put Bernardo Silva's price astronomically high in comparison to other players for a reason, because you know how crucial he is. And, and that wouldn't be the case if his position within the dressing room wasn't of of the utmost importance as well. So I, I do think, for example, you know, maybe he has the piss taken out of him a little bit too much. If so, then if you're listening, Bernardo, open your voice. Um, but it, uh, I'll, I'll finish on this. It wasn't too long ago before, if you remember, um, Bernardo Silva got into a little bit of trouble for something he posted online, uh, what what was deemed a, a sort of a, a racist remark. Uh, I think it was an old Portuguese character or something like that, and he was referring to another teammate. So obviously there is there are lines, and, and Bernardo Silva more than anyone knows that line. But in terms of this, I, I don't think there's anything more to read into it. I don't think, and it, it's just great to see for me that the squad really getting along and those those new players in, included in that. Yeah, I fully agree, and I think. If there was a player that didn't fit in in the dressing room and maybe wasn't getting along with the rest of the group um, and it was negatively affecting them, they wouldn't be at the club for going on six, seven years now. So, mm. um, and obviously, you know, look, he's, he's, according to the reports, have asked for moves away, but I don't think that has anything to do with his dislike of the club, mm. dislike of the squad, or anything like that. It's, it's merely, footballing and, and more personal life things. Mm. So, um, yeah, I I don't really have much more to say, and I think we're all reading a bit too much into it. I think this is kind of typical football dressing room dynamics. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't remember who it was or, or whether or not it was a journalist or whatever, but sports dressing rooms and, and specifically male sports dressing rooms are, are quite toxic places, and if that spills out online, then it probably is going to look a bit over the top from a few people, but they spend almost every living second of their lives in each other's company so it, it, they're going to be personal it's basically a brotherhood most of a top sport in club or organization or a brotherhood um and I mean, and one i just want to i just want to clarify that we're not like kind of condoning any of these things yeah, that yeah, may be negative yeah. we're not we're not saying like oh lads will be lads because no, i think no, that's a really horrible way to look at things like this. I just truly believe this is a situation of like these are just a bunch of friends joking around. And if we're, you know, we're a humanistic podcast here, if, if he truly is being negatively affected by this, then we truly hope that it gets resolved for him. Um, but I just don't, don't feel like that's the situation. No. 
No, exactly. And if City want us to sort of head up their HR department, then I'm sure we've got a few hours in the day and we can we can resolve issues. Um, I think we'll wrap things up there. Then it's it's been a roller coaster of emotions. This podcast actually we've started on the on the serious stuff, the player positions, the tactics, and ended up sort of declaring election between Ruben Diaz and, and Kevin De Bruyne. Um, anything else to add then? I, I don't know if you if you up to anything in the recent weeks and months going ahead is it sunday i think i'm I'm, I'm in that sort of holday post-holiday mode where i think it's sunday for you saturday for me yeah okay so we'll be back speaking about that i'm gonna make the effort to stay up because it's only midnight kickoff i think it is so i'll uh i'll I'll be tucked up in bed with my laptop beside me watching that is it in green bay am i right in saying is that yes historic lambeau field yep right okay anything to add about that stadium or that city um the the american football team that i have grown up supporting my whole life um our bitter rival plays in that stadium so okay that's all that's all i'll add i don't like the place i don't like the people that play in there and i don't really like the fans that fill the seats so (laughs) it'll be it'll be good to see um a more joyous occasion filling that stadium this weekend yeah yeah, and hopefully we see Erling Haaland involved as well. Um, we'll be back next week then, and, and I think I'm I'm right in saying this sort of marks the official official start of our new season. Obviously, we've had we've had our preseason friendlies with Ollie and and Charlie, and go back and listen to them because I think they're probably still in date bar a couple of mm-hmm. departures and whatnot. And they do make for some fantastic listens, some fantastic guests. We've got plenty lined up ourselves. And and yeah, getting back into the swing of things. What are we now? 22nd of July as we record this, eight days away from the Community Shield at the King Power, which my tickets arrived recently. So enjoying that. And uh, But yeah, until then, I've been Amos Murphy. I've been Adam Booker. And until next time, see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.